We are indeed looking at one another passages in the Word of God. Today brings us to the passage that tells us to greet one another. So let's start by greeting one another. If you just stand up and move around and say hello and welcome people that are... Hey, thank you, thank you. All right, you may take your seat again. We are in a passage that teaches us about greetings. We are in Romans chapter 16. And the passage is easily divided into three sections, although the three sections are by no means of equal length. But the three sections are these. First, we have Paul's personal greetings to the Romans. Second, we have Paul's exhortation to the Romans to greet each other. And then thirdly, the greetings from all the churches to the Romans. So this morning we're going to look at these three sections and uh, discover what we can learn about these greetings that are found in the book of Romans. First, what do we learn from Paul's greetings to specific individuals and groups within the Roman church in verses 3 through, first, through 15? Well, we learn the appropriateness of expressing our genuine appreciation for each other. The appropriateness of expressing our genuine appreciation for each other. Notice Paul appropriately expresses appreciation for the work of others. Verse 6 of chapter 16. Greet Mary, now this appellate, who has worked hard for you. Verse 9. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Romans 16, 12. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. So these are individuals who are particularly singled out for the work, the labor that they have given to the Lord. Uh, this is not a way of diminishing that which others have done. And so often it is that when someone receives a compliment, then other people are offended thinking, well, what about me? But Paul is singling out these individuals who have done 
an exceedingly amount of labor for the Lord. Paul appropriately expresses appreciation for the commitment of others. Notice verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. And then verse 4, who risked their lives for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. In some way, they had risked their lives in order to spare the life of the Apostle Paul. Romans 16, 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. Here were individuals who were put in prison for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were Jews along with the Apostle Paul, but they had come to place their faith in Christ. They were serving him, and as a result, they were imprisoned. And so they are singled out. Paul appropriately expresses appreciation for the friendship of others. In verse 5, greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinitus. Verse 8, greet Impliantus, my beloved in the Lord. Romans 16, 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. And then verse 12, greet the beloved Persis. Everyone should be accepted in the body of Christ. Everyone should be appreciated as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And yet there are people that we are going to be uniquely drawn to. People that we have an incredible bond with. People that, for whatever reason, have a special relationship to us. That is not wrong. That is not wrong. To have people that you have a unique bond and special relationship with. If I ask you the question, you should be able to answer. Who was the beloved disciple? Who was Jesus' favorite? One, two, three. John. We all know that. Does that mean he didn't love Peter or James or Thaddeus or Matthias or any of the other apostles? No. But we all know. And Jesus was unabashed in saying that John was the beloved disciple. He had a unique relationship to Jesus. And then there were the inner three. Then there were three of the apostles that had a unique relationship with Jesus. He uh, took them to places that he did not take others, such as uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, to witness certain miracles and so on. And I would think that we could know who the inner three were. They were Peter, James, and John. He had a unique relationship. So there's nothing wrong with having unique relationships with the people in the church, having those that you are closer to than others. And here we have these greetings of these particular individuals. I wonder how often we take time to convey to one another our appreciation for each other. It's one thing to say hi. 
And it's quite another to come up to someone and say, you know, I really love you in the Lord. You're really special to me. Your life has been a blessing. Your, your testimony has been such an encouragement. I can't express how much your help has meant to me. To talk about the way in which you expect, respect and appreciate the work that certain people do in uh, the life of the church, uh, whether it be mow the lawn, whether it be in the kitchen, whether it be teaching Sunday school, whether it be cleaning the building, whatever the case, to express our appreciation to one another for the work in the Lord. We learn that Paul wants to be fondly remembered to these individuals. When Paul is saying, greet so-and-so, in essence, Paul is saying, give them a hug for me. The word to greet has at its root to embrace hug or kiss. It is to welcome. The greetings were grounded in Christian love and concern. In the Lord or in Christ is a phrase that is often repeated in this text. Greetings are not uncommon in Pauline epistles. However, the number of greetings in this particular portion of the scriptures is unique. Um, Verses 3 through 16 are uh, all listed with with greetings. And you might wonder why. I I often ask the question of myself when I'm studying the scriptures, why is this particular portion of God's word included? When you read the book of John, John concludes uh, the thought by saying, that if all the things were written of what Jesus taught and did, the the worlds could not hold the books of all the things that could be written. So we don't know all that Jesus did. We don't know all that Jesus taught. There isn't time, there isn't room enough to be able to record everything that Jesus taught or did. In light of that, I often wonder why certain things are included. Knowing that Jesus taught things that I don't know that he taught, I wonder, why did it list for me these 13 verses of people's names and greeting them? What is so important about that? As I reflect on that particular question, there's a couple of things that come to mind. First, The book of Romans opens with a concern that Paul had not yet come to the city of Rome. That he had not yet visited them as was his intention. He makes it clear in the beginning of Romans 1 that the reason he has not yet come is because it's the will of God. He said, oftentimes I purposed uh, to come unto you, but it was not God's will. He wants to make it clear that the reason he has not come is not because he's ashamed of the ministry. He says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed. So he's not ashamed. That's not why he hasn't come. Eventually, he says that he has not come because there are other places for him yet to preach the word of God that have not heard. They could easily think that Paul doesn't care 
about them. Paul is not concerned about them. One of the ways in which he demonstrates his concern is by expressing personal greetings to these individuals. Letting them know that he is aware of what they have done. He is knowledgeable of their service. He appreciates their lives and their testimonies. And that he is encouraged by them. Now I want you to stop and think with me for a moment about the number of people that Paul is aware of in the Roman church having never visited it. How does he get to know these people? Well, some of them are personal friends. Some are co-laborers. Some are people that he has worked with in other places, such as Priscilla and Aquila. He mentions the one that he was in prison with. So there are people that he came in contact with, and then there are other people that he knows only by reputation. He doesn't know them personally. He doesn't know them intimately. He has never met them, and yet he is aware of them. That's pretty remarkable. In a period of time in which there is no Skyping, there's no tweeting, there are no emails, there are no uh, technologies available to uh, help in disseminating that information. There's not even the mail service. Uh, if you're going to send a letter, it had to be sent by an individual, uh, hand-carried. And even in a world that was so devoid of mass communication, Paul is aware of these other individuals. I say that to us because it helps us to understand how important it is not only to be appreciative and aware of the people in our own local church, but in other churches as well. There are 24 people named uh, in this passage. Um, I wonder how many of us could name 24 people in another Bible fellowship church. How well do you know your brothers and sisters in other Bible fellowship churches? Let alone the churches of the United States and the churches of the world, but we'll make it simple. We'll keep it a Bible fellowship church. You know, we need to have an appreciation, not just for those within our own congregation, but those in other congregations. So here is a plug for such things as Victory Valley and Pinebrook. One of the great blessings of Victory Valley and Pinebrook is that those that attend get to know people from other Bible Fellowship churches. Here uh, children that have been at Pinebrook this past week, some are going later in the, in the summer, will have made friends uh, at, uh, uh, at camp, okay? Uh, <clears throat> through camp, uh, uh, Lizzie uh, Bertlett and Amy uh, Brandt became much better friends uh, for having stayed in the cabin for a week. And now they visit each other uh, during the year. That's one of the, the blessings. I know my kids growing up have had lasting friendships with people they worked on staff with uh, at uh, Pinebrook, etc. So it's an opportunity. This 
summer. I, I hope you can go to Pinebrook. It'll be an opportunity to get to know each other better, but it's also a way to get to know people from other churches better, other pastors better in our, in our conference. There's value to that. There's value to that. Uh, we need to recognize the value. And the value is that our fellowship is bigger than just our personal experiences. Our fellowship is based on our relationship to Jesus Christ. And so we need to foster, foster that. Um, and of course, prayer meeting can foster our concern for one another as well. But I want us to focus on this second part, for it contains our one another verse. That is, what do we learn from Paul's exhortation that the Christians in Rome are to express their sincere love for each other? Notice verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So this statement, greet one another with a holy kiss. Let me first talk about what the emphasis should be in verse 16. Because that, in our culture, can be a little alarming. But we have to put the emphasis on the raw, at the right syllable. All right? Uh, we need to put the emphasis in the right place. It is not greet another with a holy kiss. And kiss is the operative word. It is greet one another with a holy kiss. Holy is the operative word. We need to understand the culture. There was nothing unique about greeting one another with a kiss. There was nothing particularly Christian about greeting one another with a kiss. It was the culture of the day. That's how in the European world you greeted one another. You greeted one another with a kiss. Usually not on the lips, but usually on the cheek. And I'm sure we've seen movies, we've seen uh, different expressions uh, when European peoples are meeting each other and they kiss each other on the cheek, right? Everybody seen that? Okay. So get over the kiss. Okay. The emphasis is not the kiss. The emphasis is on the holy kiss. We can liken it unto a handshake. There is a long history of the handshake. Do you know why we shake hands with the right hand? you know where that originated from? That's our custom. We shake with our right hand. Answer, because most of us are right-handed. The majority of, of us are right-handed. And if we were going to attack you, we would use our right hand to do it. If we were going to stab you, if we were going to <clears throat> do you in, we would do it. And the reason for the handshake is to show an open hand. There's nothing in my hand, nothing up my sleeve. I'm a good guy. Here we are. We're friends. And it was a way of just greeting one another and showing that there was no intention to harm. There was no intention to do ill will to this individual. We are welcoming them. We are giving them a sign of peace. A kiss was to be a sign of endearment. It was to be a sign of welcoming. Uh, we could do it by a hug. 
But the emphasis is on a holy kiss. The idea is with sincerity. Sincerity. Uh, Judas is the perfect example of someone greeting someone with an unholy kiss. Uh, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Matthew 26, 48. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. Luke twenty two forty seven. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas, it's bad enough that you are betraying me. But of all the signs that you are given to identify me and to single me out, that you would choose a kiss. For Judas doesn't want to be associated with the evil ones. He wants to be associated with the good guys. He wants to come across as one who loves and who is endeared to Jesus when, in fact, he's going to betray Jesus. His was a feigned love. His was a feigned concern for Jesus. Our affection to one another is to be sincere. 1 Peter 5.14 says this. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. It is not uncommon for the New Testament to speak of greeting one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16.20 All the brothers send greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13.12 Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Thessalonians 5.26 Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. First Peter says, greet one another with a kiss of love. There, holy is replaced with love. It helps us understand what is meant by a holy kiss. That which is separated, that which is unique, that which is truly a kiss that's motivated by love and concern. In other words, our greetings aren't to be just pomp and circumstance. They're not just to be for show. They are to be real. Our affection, our concern is to be real. Forget about the kiss. Just think about the way in which we greet people. And is there sincerity in that? We may say to one another, how are you doing? Do we really want to know how somebody's doing? Do we shake their hand and say, well, how are you today? And then we move on and don't even give them a chance to respond. Or if they are responding and telling us their woes, we're saying, now why is he telling me that? Why is he bearing me down with that? That's a downer. Uh, Do we really want to know how people are doing? We greet one another. It's good to see you. Is it really good to see them? Are we really glad they're here? Are, 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 Are we being truthful? Are we being honest? And the idea here is that we ought to greet and we ought to be sincere in that greeting. We ought to really appreciate 
our brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome them into our presence. Again, there are going to be people that we're closer to than others, but everyone should be welcomed in their presence. My high school experience was a little odd. Uh, I guess because I'm a little bit of an odd person. But uh, I had very few real close friends when I was in high school. I had one or two. But I was kind of friends with everybody. And part of that was I I did a lot of things. You know, I, I played sports. I was in the musicals. I was in the dramas. I was in the choir. And uh, so I did a lot of things that some people did. Either you were into music or you did the sports. I did both. But one of the outcomes of all that was, was there would be groups, you know, that would sit at certain tables at lunch. You know, there, there, were the, there was the football table, you know. There was the basketball table. There was the choir table. There was the cheerleader table. You, you understand? You know, right? Everybody can understand. You know, and... And you got to sit at that table if you were part of the group. And if you weren't part of the group, you were looked at, well, you know, why are you sitting here? And maybe you were told you weren't welcome to sit there. Uh, you at least were made to feel that you weren't welcome to sit there. I had the unique privilege of I could sit wherever I wanted. I... I was welcomed wherever I, I sat because I did so much different stuff, I guess. Nobody ever gave me a hard time, okay? And, and so I got to just kind of move around. But you know, the church ought to be a place where everybody feels comfortable. Everybody feels like they can sit down with you. I, help it, I hope at fellowship meal that you would feel comfortable sitting at any table. That no matter who's sitting there, you you feel like you could walk up and sit down and be accepted, be welcomed. For that is what the church is to be. Again, with a recognition that some people are going to be closer than others, but everybody should be accepted. That should be Sincere, that should be real. Our society is very cold and indifferent to people. Uh, and we're getting colder. Uh, walking down the street, have you ever noticed how many people look down? when they get close to somebody. You know, they're walking along and, and you know, they're, they're, they're looking straight ahead and as soon as they get to within a, a normative distance of which you might greet somebody, down goes the eyes so that you're not going to have to say hello. Did you ever notice that? People will, all right. Uh, okay, and so that you don't say hello. I mean, that to me is just amazing. It is. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a particularly agrarian person. You know that. I'm not outgoing. But I normally say hello to people when I pass them, you know, on a sidewalk. I mean, that just seems odd to me that you don't have some kind of greeting. Uh, but you don't. And in our society, it's becoming much more difficult to uh, greet someone of the opposite sex. 
That's really starting to be viewed as skeptical. You know, why, why would a man say hello to a woman? So you got to start rethinking that one, unfortunately, because of the society that you're in. Uh, I try to be somewhat sensitive. I know that the polite thing is that unless a woman extends her hand, you don't shake their hand. Uh, I stand in the back shaking hands. I shake hands with everybody. Every once in a while, I feel odd, depending on the person, because if they don't shake, if they don't extend their hand, I think, well, should I extend my hand? I, she's a woman. I'm a man. Uh, okay. Talk about greeting with a holy kiss. <clears throat> I might be able to empty this church fast if. Uh, if I really push that we are going to start greeting one another with a holy kiss. But, but even a handshake. But you know how bad it's gotten in our world today? You, you, you know how sad it is? That you can't put your hand on the head of a little child and tossle their hair. You can't give them a hug. when you see them, if they're not related to you. Our world is so suspicious of any expression of concern or hope that they turn it into something sexual. That's sad. It's viewed as an attack, an affront. It is abusive. Um, so when the scripture is talking about greeting another with a holy kiss, it's talking about a sincere motive of legitimate concern. Not doing harm, but good. Expressing to an individual warmth, compassion, and a desire to be available to help her to listen. That's the atmosphere that we want to create, and that's the relationship that we should have to one another. It is tough in our day and age, and it will actually be uh, suspect in some circles. So we really have to know each other. Uh, We really need to be comfortable with each other. So the church is a different place from the world, a place where there is real, genuine affection for one another, not in a sexual sense, but in an aunt-to-a-niece relationship. And then what do we learn from Paul's relaying greetings from the churches to the Roman Christians? Notice Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Sometimes when our missionaries come, if our missionaries are associated with a particular church, uh, they might say, the church in Tanzania greets you, or the church here greets you. Okay? Uh, they are expressing their appreciation. Perhaps you have sent monies to them 
you sent missionaries, you sent help. Anywhere they are greeting you. What do we learn from the fact where it says, all the churches of Christ greet you? We learn that the warmth of our faith should be experienced not only by the believer in our own church, but in other churches as well. Put it in another place. Our fellowship must go beyond experiences. It must go beyond familial relationships. It must go beyond working with one another. It must go beyond personal involvement in one another's lives. Paul is greeting strangers. People that he knows only by reputation. Okay? If we don't go that extra step, then we are no different than the world. The world greets its family. The world appreciates the people in their club. The world has affection for their uh, friends. What is unique to the Christian faith is that our bond is not our family relationship, it's not our work, it's not our club, our bond is our relationship to Jesus Christ. And so if a person knows Christ, they are my brother and my sister. Whether I've ever met them or not. And I have a responsibility to be concerned for them, whether I've ever met them or not. I want their well-being. I want their prosperity. I want God's blessing to be upon them. And so we must work hard at knowing our missionaries. Not just by name, but who they are, what they do, even though we don't know them personally. Even though we may never have shaken their hand. But for the work's sake, we are interested in them. We care about them. And we pray for them. If not, we're just a club. If not, we're just like the world. Only concerned about our own. Only concerned about people that we have a personal relationship with. This is actually a climax in the text. He moves from personal to one another to the church. And ultimately and finally he says, and the church greets you. We need to understand that importance of welcoming, appreciating, expressing our concern, our hope for, and acceptance of anyone who knows Jesus Christ. Appreciating their work, whether they're working in our midst or working overseas. Appreciating them, whether we've ever shaken their hand or not. We need to work on ways to foster that relationship. So, in conclusion, what do we take away from this passage? First, 
We learn that Paul was not a lone ranger in his service for God, and neither should we. He had an appreciation for his brothers and sisters in Christ. We learn that the church is comprised of individuals. Individuals who are committed to the Lord and to each other. And it's right for us to express our appreciation for those individuals. Those people are working hard. Those people that are near and dear to us, that have expressed their love and concern for us in unique and precious ways. We're to develop those relationships. We are to openly speak of those relationships. We are to appreciate those relationships. We're to foster those relationships. But it doesn't stop there. We extend to the full body of Christ acceptance, genuine acceptance, sincere acceptance, not feigned, not put on, not just being polite, but really accepting them so that they feel comfortable in our midst, welcomed at our table, welcomed in our pew, welcomed in our church. And even beyond that, an appreciation for those that we have not ever personally met with a commitment to pray for them, to support them, to help them in their work and their ministry so that we are a church, a people of God, brought together by the Holy Spirit. We learn that churches are to be committed to each other, bodies of believers who see themselves in relationship to God, mutually doing his work and his service. May God grant us that kind of peace and unity. Uh, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Take time. Don't just walk by people on a Sunday. You know, these things are intentional. These things are intentional. How are we going to do these kind of things? Well, make plans to get here a little earlier. Make plans to stay a little longer. Don't walk in after everybody's seated and has sung the first hymn and then wonder why nobody greeted me or said hello to me. Greeters in the back are, are, are fine. That's nice to have people assigned to hand out bulletins and to greet. But we're all to be greeters. But be here so you can be greeted. Be here so that there's time for people to talk to you. Stay so that there's time for people to talk to you. Stay to talk to people. Greet one another sincerely, wanting to get to know each other better. Take time. Come to prayer meeting. Learn about people's concerns, heartaches, joys, miseries. Get to know. Go to Pinebrook. Take advantage of all the situations that are available. And uh, there's a picnic coming up for adults. There's a mini golf, I think, coming up. All kinds of things. Uh, Avail ourselves of this opportunity to greet one another uh, in a holy way. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for uh, your grace and your work in our lives. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to greet them with sincerity. Help us to welcome them uh, genuinely 
not with an agenda, not with a sense to harm them or, or to be a purveyor in some kind of sexual way, but, Lord, to genuinely be interested in the lives of adults and children, wanting to encourage them, wanting them to feel welcomed in our presence. Oh, Lord, uh, help us to be a church that truly loves one another simply because we love you. Uh, May all men know that you are our disciples. We are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.